Good morning. Well, today is a special day, and it's not special, or what makes it special has really nothing to do with what's going to happen in a couple days in your living rooms. What makes this day special is that it's the first day of the week, and it's the day upon which the Lord asks us to remember him by a feast uh, that commemorates his death, burial, and resurrection, and that's what we just uh, partook of. And you know, when you you look at things sometimes, you, you think of how some things are so much bigger than just what you are. We've participated in something that has been taking place every Sunday for 2,000 years. Uh, disciples of Christ gather together and they break bread and uh, partake of the fruit of the vine to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in so doing, we remember him and what he did for us. Uh, we remember aspects of his life, his coming to the earth, his dying on the cross. Um, but also we proclaim Jesus weekly to our friends and neighbors by um, this memorial. We uh, proclaim his death until he comes. And so that's what makes this day especially uh, special. But I do know, and we all acknowledge, that at this time of the year, there are a lot of people who are thinking a lot about Jesus right now. And uh, that's a good thing. I'm always glad when people think about Jesus. But um, what I'd like for us to do is this morning to maybe take the approach that um, Philip took with the eunuch as he met him on the road. Um, he started at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And since so many people were thinking about Jesus at this time of the year in particular um, and what his life meant, his coming into this world meant, I think it's a, a, maybe an opportune time for us to discuss just how important was the life of Jesus. Now, I don't know in your families how it works in your households, but if we sit down and watch a movie, if there's just the least bit of sentimentality in it, Kim, the tears start, you know, going down the face. She, she, she gets started in the credits of the movie. I mean, we don't even have to get in the movie. It just starts flowing. And it's become a, a you know, kind of a joke in our house. Um, this, it's a wonderful life. You, you know the movie. You've probably maybe seen it already this year or not. It's one of my favorites. At the end of it, it tears me up. Uh, you know, when, uh, when, uh, um, George Bailey's brother comes in and says, to George Bailey, the richest man in, um, I lost the name of it, somebody can tell me, but uh, anyway, in that city, wherever, Bedford Falls, that's what it's called. Uh, boy, that just gets me. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've concluded over the years, there are a couple movies that guys can, like, get choked up at, um, and it'd be okay, because um, we have to maintain our toughness, or somebody told us that a long time ago, but... Anyway, Brian's song, you know, that guys will, you know, that'll get you. Brian's song. It's okay if you get choked up on Brian's song. Uh, the Lou Gehrig story, you know, that, that can get you too. You're okay there. And since this one gets me, this one too. Um, this is the third one that, that this is allowed to happen in. But the, the theme of the movie is um, this guy gets in some trouble and so frustrated with life, he finally makes the wish, man, I wish I had never been born. And uh, there's an angel there who grants him his wish. 
and what he thought was a terrible life, a life that had no meaning, a life that uh, had no impact on others, a life that would have been better off never having been lived. He learns far different because he was allowed to see what the world would be like without his existence. He, he went back to his hometown and to the people that he knew and loved and, and how many changes had taken place just because of his absence and the lack of living his life. We impact so many more people than we, we ever will ever know in, in ways, in positive ways, and even in negative ways that uh, we, we just cannot imagine. Um, I wrote a bulletin article for today. I remember, remember, I couldn't have been five, six, seven years old. My dad had a funeral for a person um, I didn't know. It was a congregation down in, uh, well, Wetzel County, West Virginia. And uh, it was out in the country. I didn't know any of these people. But I was a little boy, and I stood at the back of the door. The, the funeral was held at the, uh, at the uh, church building. And I stood at the back as people came out after the funeral. And I remember this lady, she was very aged, and she grabbed my dad's hand and she said, I wish you wealth, I wish you health, I wish you gold in store. I wish you heaven when you die. How can I wish you more? I heard that lady say that. I was just a boy, and I'm 50 now. And I just quoted something to you that I heard a lady say once. And it stuck with me. Now, that lady's been gone probably for four decades or more uh, now. But she still lives on, her influence. We touch so many lives in so many ways. And um, George Bailey, in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, he discovered that. And at the end, he said, I want to live. I I don't want to die. I want to live my life. I want to go back. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is to look at the life of Jesus and ask the question, what would life be like if Jesus had never been born? Would you want to live in the world, in the world that would exist if Jesus had not made his presence, had not made entry into this world? Would it be a kind of world that you would want to live? Would the world be a better place or a place that's worse off? You know what? Some people say it wouldn't be a better place or it would, it would be a better place. There was a 19th century uh, philosopher, didn't believe in God. Um, in fact, he really coined the phrase, God is dead. You remember maybe seeing some of those things in the 60s, the, the God is dead movement. Well, in, in the 19th century, he popularized that notion. And he had such contempt for Christianity He stated that more people had been killed in the name of Christ than anything else in the world, in the history of the world. That Christianity was a scourge to the earth. And and he did what he could do to try to remove its presence from the world in his life. Here's one quote from his uh, writings. He said, I condemn Christianity. The Christian church has left nothing untouched by its depravity. It has turned every value into worthlessness and every truth into a lie and every integrity into baseness of soul. He lived a life of contempt for Jesus and for his followers. 
He said openly, the world would be better off had Jesus never been born. What I'd like for us to look at today is really, is that true? Would the world be better, would it be a better place uh, if Jesus had never been born? And I know that we know the answer to that. We can very readily say, well, of course not. We're all Christians. We, We understand that. But have we given time to think, like George Bailey had time to think, about how much his life impacted the world around him? That's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look at just how much Jesus impacted uh, the world and brought value to life. Well, let's begin by looking at this. First of all, Christianity's impact on children. If Jesus had never been born, do you understand that Jesus brought value to the lives of children? You remember in Luke chapter 17, 1 through 2, Jesus said, you know, I know people are going to sin. Offenses will come, but woe unto them by whom they come. For the one who causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better to have a millstone tied around his neck and, and cast him into the depths of the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus was concerned about children. In Matthew, in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 14, Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus held children up in a place of honor and respect, and, and um, they were of, of value. Had Jesus not been born, I wonder how we'd treat children. The more godless our nation becomes, the farther we remove ourselves from Christian values, what has increased in our culture? a disrespect for life, especially the life of children. We see it happening. Um, The more respect, the value for life that Jesus brought into effect and illustrated in those passages, uh, the the greater respect there is for children. You know, in in other cultures that um, didn't know Jesus before Jesus came, Roman, the Greeks... um, uh, they, they would have a child, and if it wasn't, well, if there was some kind of defect, they would take it to a place that everybody recognized, just leave it there, expose it to the elements or to the wild beasts, and they would just come and get them. They would, uh, so, you know, well, we don't want a, a, a female baby, we wanted a male. So they'd take the female babies out and just leave them and let whatever happen to them. That That's unconscionable. That's unthinkable. But that's unthinkable because we live under the ethic of Jesus. Apart from Jesus, that was thinkable. That was culture. That's what they did. But Jesus brought value to the life of children. Today, and like I said, today, with you look at abortion and partial birth abortion and, and all the things that are going on, infanticide, all those things, the farther we remove ourselves from Christ, from Jesus, that's where we end up. You respect Jesus, you respect the life and the value of children. Um, if Jesus had not been born, I wonder how it would affect um, the lives of women. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, Jesus, or the Apostle Paul said, you know, in Christ, we're all one. Male, female, bond, free, Jew, Gentile. 
We're all one in Christ. Um, That, again, is a far cry from the values that culture, apart from Jesus, places on women. In many cultures and many uh, places that do not recognize Jesus, um, women are not competent. Can we even trust them to vote? I mean, do they have enough intelligence to vote? No, we won't let them do that. They're they're not competent. They're, They're not independent. They have to have someone take care of them because they're just not capable. Really? Jesus says that women have equal value. Not equal role, but equal value with men. It was Jesus who elevated the role of women. Um, Sometimes people say, Christians, they're always holding women down. I don't like what the the teachings about women in the Bible. Listen, Jesus elevated women. They weren't treated as second-class citizens. They weren't treated as those who didn't have a mind of their own uh, or as objects to be owned rather than uh, to be loved. Jesus brought value to women. Jesus brought value to the elderly. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, that if, you, if your parents need help, you need to help them. Don't let those of you who have uh, parents, don't, don't let the church be charged with their care. You take care of them. That's only right. They took care of you. Jesus taught that. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 2, honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment uh, with promise, and it will be well with you, and your life may be long on the earth. We're, We're commanded to honor our parents. You know, again, you get the cultures apart from Jesus, euthanasia. They're a burden. What, what do we do? We're just, well, we get rid of them. Uh, the Eskimos had a practice of just putting them on a little ice drift and sending them off into the ocean. They're, they're gone. Uh, many cultures don't respect uh, the elderly. They, when they became a burden, they were walked off into the wilderness to be left alone to die. That's not the picture that Jesus painted You see, when Jesus, and because of Jesus, we treat our young differently. We treat women differently. We treat the elderly differently. And even in terms of slavery, uh, when you you think about that in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, telling masters to deal kindly and and not corruptly and and, uh, with disrespect and Um, Also, Paul, as he writes to Philemon, when he converts Onesimus, he says, you're not just taking back back a a, a servant, a slave. He's a brother in Christ now. He's different. You look where Christianity has gone, and when the influence of Jesus' teachings take root in a culture, you look and you watch, slavery disappears because of the respect for life. Uh, and for freedom that Jesus brought to this world. Jesus has created, and well, not created, but brought us back to the value that this world should have possessed, that we lost our way without him. 
culture forgot how to treat people as they deserve to be treated had Jesus never been born. I wonder what we would be doing today. I wonder what we would be doing without the restraints that Jesus reintroduced into this world through his birth. Something else that I'd like for us to look at for the rest of the time is just some areas of culture that Jesus has influenced. And for instance, medicine. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, or Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus, well, the Bible says a great multitude followed him, which happened all the time. And the text says, and he would heal them. He would heal them all. Why did Jesus do that? Well, yes, to prove that he was the Son of God, to, to demonstrate. Look, I'm doing things that no mere human can do. I, I am who I claim to be. Listen to me to prove that I am who I am. Look at what I can do. But not just for that. Miracles were also about compassion. Jesus would look at people and have compassion on them. And it wasn't just about healing people to prove a point. It was healing people sometimes just because he looked at them and had pity. Jesus brought compassion, taught compassion, love for our fellow man into this world. You know, Nietzsche said that with reference to um, Christianity, the world would be a better place without it. Let me ask you something. He was an atheist. How many hospitals do you know that have been built by atheists? How many atheist organizations have gotten together and said, we've got to build hospitals to help the plight of man. They claim to be humanists, all concerned about the human and his development. Where are the hospitals built, motivated to be built by atheists and the philosophies that they espouse? I don't know. I don't see them. How far do you have to go to find the hospitals built by people who are motivated by Jesus to show compassion to people, to be uh, of help, and to try to help people in their their time of need? Far from it. Christianity, the introduction of Jesus into this world, hasn't made the world a worse place. It's made the world a, a better place, a kinder place. Uh, in concerning benevolence, Galatians 6.10, the Lord uh, said through the Apostle Paul, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto the household of faith. Again, think of the good that is done, that is prompted, motivated by the principles of Jesus. I want to go about and I want to do good because that's what my master did. That's what Jesus did. Again, I ask, where are the organizations that are built by atheists to do good for people who are in need? Where are the organizations that have been created due to their being prompted by principles taught by Jesus? We can name dozens of them. There's a difference. Jesus brings value to this world. He's motivated us. What would the world be like without Jesus? You know, you remember when the tsunami hit Indonesia in those those areas over there? Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives. And this was, Indonesia is the largest Muslim community 
uh, nation in the world. Where were the Muslims? Where was Islam providing the assistance? I'm not going to say they didn't do anything because they did. But you know who reached out to those people who aren't even Christians? It was Christians. That's where the majority, the vast, the overwhelming majority of the relief that they received during that period of of tragedy came from people who didn't even share the same faith that they shared. But they were motivated because of their faith in Jesus. Do good not only to your brothers and sisters, but to all men as you have opportunity. Civil liberties. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, the, the Apostle Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. In Galatians 5, Jesus says, or Paul said, stand fast in the liberty uh, by which you have been called. Uh, stand fast with the, the freedom that you now have in Jesus. Jesus understands and understood that men desire freedom. You look at the passages talking about the freedom that God brings us, not being held in bondage by the law, but because we're in Christ, we are free. Uh, Paul Harvey, um, he's now deceased, but he's the, the radio commentator for many years. He told of an experiment. He told this story, and it's just that. It's just a story. But he told a story of about uh, some scientists that had gotten a chimpanzee, and they were bound and determined to teach that chimpanzee how to write, how to communicate. And it was a 14-year study. And every day they would take care of that chimp. They would meet all of its basic needs. They would give it food and water. They would, they would uh, reward it when it did the right things. And, and they worked and trained every day for 14 years. Finally reached the point where they thought, we've got it. So they gathered news and scientists together to report on this event, and they brought this chimp out, and they had these little blocks with words randomly written all over it. And that chimpanzee was looking at those blocks and and would pull one out, and he'd look some more and and pull out another one, and he laid those blocks down and laid them on the ground, and he spelled out a sentence. And it said, let me go. Uh, It doesn't matter that his needs were met. That chimp wanted freedom.